We'll be reading together uh, verses 31 through 35 as we come to the end of the uh, the third uh, chapter in the life of the Lord Jesus is given to us here uh, in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 4, where we're heading uh, is a number of parables uh, that the Lord Jesus is going to uh, tell uh, about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, But before we get to those parables of the kingdom, uh, we come to this passage of scripture, which really uh, picks up the story uh, as we left it in verses 20 and 21 uh, regarding the family of Jesus who had come, having heard that the crowds were uh, surrounding him. They came to take him him home. And so this is the word of the Lord. as We find it. Mark chapter three, uh, verse thirty one. And his mother uh, and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for your help today as we come to the scripture, Lord. We know that this is not a a natural work, not a natural thing to do, to open the Bible and to know that uh, the God of the universe, our Creator, speaks to us His very Word. And so, Lord, we ask that by Your grace and mercy, uh, we would know the presence of Your Holy Spirit in our midst, even this morning. Lord, that these would not remain words upon a page, but that by Your Holy Spirit, uh, You would sink them deep into our minds and hearts, that we would believe them, that we would live them as we go forth from this place. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, a well-known uh, pastor and uh, writer named Kent Hughes was uh, writing about the, uh, a number of years ago, writing about the state of the family. And, uh, and this is what he, what he wrote. Today we are witnessing the disintegration of the family all around us, even in the church. One reason for this is that societal pressures are hostile to the nuclear family. Some persons are even actively working towards a dissolution. Uh, you probably found that yourself in the culture in which we live. There's people who are seeking to destroy family. But there is, he says, especially among Christians, another reason why the family is in trouble. It's worship. In a valiant effort, he writes, to stem the tide, many Christians and non-Christians alike have made the family everything. Every moment of every day, every involvement, every commitment, every engagement is measured and judged by the question, how will this benefit my family? While this is generally commendable, he says, it can degenerate into a familial narcissism. That is, the four walls of the home become a temple, and only within and for those walls are any sacrifices made. Thus we commit, says Hughes, domestic idolatry. This is an immense tragedy, he says. 
The tragedy is this. Every earthly loyalty, if it's made central, becomes idolatry. And all idolatries eventually destroy their worshipers. The truth is, many of the psychological problems in our families can be traced to parents whose affections bind rather than release and liberate. Avoiding the permissive destruction that's ravaging our society, some parents perpetuate a possessive destruction, which is equally devastating. Jesus warned about this when he said, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Well, all of us, all of us have them. They affect uh, what we're like, how we grow up. Hard to escape their influence, whether they're present or not. But we all have them, big or small. Uh, families. That uh, social group into which we're born, parents, siblings, other relations, we're joined by blood, joined by heritage and experience. For some of us, the word family brings with it good feelings, um, warm memories. Um, Family was and is for us a safe and nurturing space. We were or are able to grow and explore and play and live. For others, the use of the word family makes our stomachs uh, go into a knot because for us, memories of home are framed in black. Instead of memories and thoughts of peace, it's anxiety, maybe, or fear, or abuse, or pain, or brokenness, uh, or sadness. Family. Uh, We celebrate Mother's Day um, and Father's Day, kind of. Mother's Day has always gotten the, the bigger celebration. Uh, But in Canada, there's Family Day uh, in February. Uh, Those days bring us face to face with issues of family. For some, again, those bring great moments of joy. Some others, uh, great moments of of pain. You think of those uh, women who desire to be mothers, but for whatever reason uh, are unable to be. For those who face those days with a huge empty spot in their hearts and lives, we think of of them as well. But for many, those days are filled with grateful joy. We give thanks for the love of mothers and fathers, their patience, their sacrifice, their care, and we pray for God's rich blessing on them, uh, the blessing of children and brothers and sisters. So we are on a good, um, we are on a good biblical foundation for valuing family, husbands, wives, children, parents. It's a biblical foundation from the very first pages of the Bible where God walked the first bride down the aisle in the Garden of Eden. Uh, through the Old Testament patriarchs and tribes of Israel to the days of Jesus and the letters of the New Testament, home life is celebrated, honored, and protected. Proverbs 31 is one of the greatest songs ever, celebrating motherhood and the joys of family. Families are important to God, and they should be important to us. Uh, We recognize that we live in a day and in a world that is anti-mother, anti-father, and anti-family. And we recognize that anyone who speaks ill of the family is attacking one of the pillars of our society. And so in Mark 7, Jesus confronts the Pharisees who were, by their own traditions, dishonoring their parents. Remember that passage? Jesus said, you you know, you've got this tradition and uh, you're you're not caring for your parents. And uh, Jesus confronts that. Jesus himself was an obedient son 
We don't have much of the life of Jesus, but when he was 12 and he's teaching in the temple, his parents finally realize he's not with them on their way home and they come back and, and the Bible says uh, Jesus listened to his parents and he was submissive to his parents and he went home uh, with, with them. So the Bible certainly is all about promoting the institution of the family. Which also sort of makes us wonder how loud the collective gasp would have been when people in the days of Jesus heard him say the words we've read together this morning. And maybe you gasped a little bit inside this morning yourself. Um, I wonder how deafening the silence was. Because Jesus is using family ties that we know well in order to teach us about spiritual ties that we do not know unless God reveals them to us. And his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called him and a crowd was sitting around him. They said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brother? So first of all, we have this very unusual question. Posed by the Lord Jesus. So you remember the setting. Uh, the scene was sort of a madhouse. It kind of we kind of uh, pick it up from verses 20 and 21. You might remember that after he had called the disciples, set apart the 12 apostles, verse 20 of chapter three said, then he went home and the crowd gathered again. Home here, remember, is the house of Peter uh, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him for they were saying he's out of his mind. That's kind of where we left the family. Uh, and then we read about the scribes who were charging Jesus with actually being in league with the devil. Uh, Jesus' response to that say, no, everything I'm doing by the Holy Spirit is evidence that the kingdom uh, has come upon you. Don't deny me. Don't deny the work of the Holy Spirit. That's an eternal sin. You cannot be forgiven if you're constantly rejecting the truth of who Jesus is and what he's doing. But then we come back to the family who's, uh, who's now come up to the house and uh, And they're trying to get a word in uh, to Jesus. But they can't uh, because of the crowd. So they send in, they send in, in word. Now, Jesus at this point is in his early 30s. Uh, He's a grown man on his own. But nevertheless, family conduct and honor in Israel was huge. The family unit was very significant. It was a core part of life as a covenant-based community. And so his mother and his brothers, uh, some translations add his sister's, send in word that they would like to see him. And Jesus' reply is this. And he answered them, who are my mother uh, and my brothers? Now, this is interesting. Jesus takes an ordinary question, interruption from his family, and uh, turns it into a a wonderful teaching moment. Uh, He had the habit of doing that. Uh, Someone would ask a question, and all of a sudden, uh, Jesus takes us into a deep dive into into theological, spiritual truth that we were never expecting. But this is rather abrupt, it seems. It almost seems rude. And, and as word filters back out to his mother and, and family, um, they, would, they, they, would have been, they would have been shocked as the word reaches them. We can just imagine a buzz around the house as word is whispered back, back to the family of what he said. And, the, and people are saying, he's not leaving. His family's there, but he's not leaving. Now, before we go any further, I think we better clear one option right off the table, and that's the possibility that Jesus was, in fact, neglecting his family, pushing his mother to the side, ignoring her, or somehow disrespecting her. 
If you're wondering about that, let me remind you of Jesus' words from the cross in the Gospel of John when Jesus is being uh, crucified. He's in his dying uh, moments and he performs one of the most important tasks uh, an eldest son can do for his mother, ensures that someone is there to take her in and care for her uh, when he when he dies. And so from the cross, these are the words of the Lord uh, Jesus to John. And these words, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold, your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold, your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own to his own home. And Jesus cared for his his mother. God created the family. He created men, women and children. Psalm 127 speaks of children as a blessing and reward from God. God gave us the fifth commandment, of course, that we would honor our father and mother, love, respect and obey them. And it's clear that Jesus knew the blessing of family as well with his mother and father, Mary and Joseph. And he also knew the blessing of, uh, of brothers and sisters. Sometimes we forget this, that Jesus was uh, in a family, had his own family, had a mother and father and, and brothers and sisters. We read about that in, later in Mark 6, uh, where folks ask about Jesus. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, brother of James and Josie's and Judas and Simon? We know his brother's names uh, and are not his sisters here with us. And they took offense uh, at him. So Jesus had a family. Roman Catholic Church teaches the perpetual or the eternal virginity of Mary. Uh, it's not true. There was other children. Uh, Matthew 1 tells us that uh, before or after or Joseph knew not Mary until uh, after Jesus was born. The word knew there is the word for intimacy. Uh, there were other children. Luke 2.7 calls Jesus the firstborn. That is Mary and Joseph's firstborn, meaning uh, there were there were others. So he had brothers and he had and he had sisters and these brothers had trouble believing in Jesus. We read in the Gospel of of John that uh, though he had these 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 brothers in this family, they, they did not yet believe in him. That is believing that he was the Messiah. And clearly here in Mark three, his family's having trouble. And so the crowd, no doubt, was a little perplexed, knowing that Jesus has a family why he would ask this question. Who are my mother and my brothers? Well, if you thought that question was a little strange, uh, the crowd being perplexed by that, they were about to be floored by the unexpected answer uh, that Jesus himself would give to his question. And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Whoever does the will of God. So no, Jesus is not neglecting his mother, but there's something far bigger at stake here in these verses than we at first realized. There's great challenge in these verses of Jesus, and there is great comfort in these words of Jesus. First of all, the challenge. The challenge would come particularly to those who have a, a secure and comfortable and close home life. Many of us do. And for that, we can be tremendously grateful. Don't ever take a loving spouse for granted. If you have parents who care for you, even care enough to say no sometimes, don't take that, that casually. Having brothers and sisters whom you can live in peace and harmony with, don't be flippant about that. That's, that's worth gold. It's enormous blessing. 
But you ever notice how the things that are the greatest strengths, the greatest blessings can also quickly become our greatest um, weakness? It's true of money and business prowess and strong intellect or good looks or the ability to talk. They can all be good, wonderful blessings of the Lord, but they can also overtake us, dominate us. We can become obsessed with these things, overly preoccupied. Any of God's good gifts can be abused. Well, the Bible is more candid. It says such things can become idols. They can become, in other words, more important in our life than the Lord. Think of Eli the priest in 1 Samuel 2 and his sons Hophni and Phinehas. Eli is serving as priest, and then the beginning of chapter 2 starts. Uh, but Hophni and Phinehas were wicked men. And you say, well, how can that be? Eli is their father. Eli is the priest. But then we read on later that Hophni and Phinehas um, lived a sinful life, and their dad didn't say anything about it. He wouldn't do anything about it. Well, he might say a few words, but he didn't stop them from their sin. And it was too hard to, to say hard things to his sons. And they die. Think of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5 where uh, they, uh, they lie about how much they, they sold their, their property for. And they said, this is, this is all we sold it for. And they lay it at the apostles' feet. And Ananias lies and, and he dies. And Sapphira comes in and, and they've, you know, they've made this pact together as husband and wife. And they lie. She lies to the Holy Spirit as well. And she dies because... Whatever they, you know, together was more important than, than the Lord. Can it be that in some corners of the Christianity, it's possible that the family has become a bit of an idol? I don't know how it is with you, but I think it's probably worth a fair bit of reflection for many of us. Because Jesus takes it so seriously. Idolizing family happens when everything else takes second place to the wants and desires of the family. When taking others into your home or expanding your circle to include those who are alone is simply not done. You don't consider uh, having anyone else over for dinner. Weekends are off limits for anyone to come over. When volunteers are requested, the answer is always no. I'm spending time with the family. And when community needs are raised, they have to be turned aside because the time is filled with sports and outings and evenings at home with the family. And uh, evening worship, morning worship, quick to be dropped if the family is together. Because the family uh, comes first. So let us hear the prophetic words of Jesus in a culture where family sometimes uh, is everything. Uh, in fact, we read it earlier this morning that Jesus speaks these uh, sobering words in Matthew 10:37, worth us hearing them uh, again. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Why? Because Jesus has to be our greatest love. Well, Jesus' point is this. It's possible to love your earthly family more than your heavenly family, more than Jesus, more than his body, more than the church. Who is my mother and my brothers? And when that happens, uh, when you love earthly family more than your heavenly family, when you love uh, your earthly family more than you love the Lord and his will, uh, you have denied Jesus. Now, obviously, we want those two, two to be the same. That is, we want our earthly family to also be our heavenly family, uh, but it may, not, it may not be. It may not be. 
St. Augustine said this, What else does Jesus teach here than to prefer to kinship after the flesh, our descent after the spirit? He teaches that persons are united by nearness of spirit to those who are just and holy, and that by obeying and following they cleave to their teaching and conduct. Therefore, Mary is more blessed in receiving the faith of Christ than in conceiving the flesh of Christ. For to the one who said, Blessed is the womb which bore you, he himself answered, Blessed are they who hear the word of God and keep it. Concerning his own brothers, his own relatives after the flesh, who at first did not believe in him, said Augustine, he found dubious advantage in being their kin. As for Mary, her nearness as a mother would have been little help for her salvation if she had not borne Christ in her heart in a more blessed manner than in than in the flesh. Jesus says, as great as a blessing as your children, parents, spouse are, they cannot complete with your love for me. And more than that, Jesus says here in chapter 3 that your brothers, your sisters, your mothers and fathers in the church, that is in the Lord, in the faith, are your truest family. Why? Because those who are in the Lord Those who are in the faith, hopefully all of your blood family, but those who are in the Lord and who are in the faith are your eternal family. You will be with them forever. Your earthly family, if they are not in the Lord, you will not be with them forever. You want them to be the same by God's grace. How do you recognize your mothers, your brothers, and your sisters? Well, Jesus tells us here two things, really. Looking about at those who sat around him. could be translated looking at those who had, um, who had encircled them. Uh, Matthew has it something like this. Reaching out his hands towards his disciples. He said, here are my mother." And my brother. So those who encircled him, that's how you recognize him. Those who encircled Jesus at the feet of Jesus, looking to Jesus, trusting in Jesus, faith in Jesus, love for Jesus. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister. That's how you recognize them. Near to Jesus, seeking to do his Will, that's my family. This is my family. Those who love Jesus, circle around him, getting close to him, and who love to do his will. My mother, brothers, sisters, this is my family. This is the family likeness of Jesus. That's how you recognize it. You know, some families, you can tell who's in a certain family because they've got a certain size nose. You can tell who's in a certain family because you can tell by their ears. Uh, you can tell who's in a certain family maybe by, by the way they walk. Or uh, you might tell who's in a certain family by, uh, by the way they talk. Or don't talk. Jesus says, here's how you recognize the family of God. Those who love to be around Jesus. And who seek to do as well. This is my family. Well, uh, that means then for Jesus, blood ties 
are not the ultimate ties that God measures. Rather, it's the ties of faith. That's the deepest relationship because it's eternally deep. And think about this. When we come to stand in the holy presence of God when we die, the question will not be, what was your last name? It'll be, are you of the family of faith? And if that's the case, uh, then if you're a parent here today and if you have children, you need to teach your children uh, that the family of God, because it's eternal, is more important than your own. Don't you? When Jesus tells us that our, our truest mother, our truest brothers, our truest sisters are those who share the faith that we have in Jesus. Oh, we need to teach our children that there's something more important than our family here. And it's the family of all those who love Jesus and who love to do his will. And that's why Deuteronomy 6 says, uh, you know, teach your children. Write, write the words of God upon Upon your hearts. Talk about the Word of God when you're on your way, when you're laying down, when you're getting up. Wherever you go, teach your children the Word of God so that they know this priority. Proverbs 22 6 train up a child in the way he should go so that when he's old, he will not depart from it. Said J.C. Rowell, teach your children the way they should go, not the way they would go. Oh, it was so messed up. We deny that passage all the time in our modern world. We say to our children, parents say to their children, you show us which way you would like to go. And the Bible says, no, you, you train them in the way they should go. Why? Because you're talking about eternity and what matters eternally. Faith in Jesus Christ and being a part of the family of God, you see. Said one, the greatest benefits conferred on human life, fatherhood, motherhood, childhood, home, become the greatest curse if Jesus Christ is not the head. On the other hand, said another, if Christ is in your house, your neighbors will know it. Said another, a Christian should so live that he would not be afraid to sell the family parrot to the town gossip. Isn't that great? You train your children in your home and, and you're not afraid to let the, the parrot go elsewhere because you're teaching them about, about Jesus. Said another, no man or woman ever had a nobler challenge or a higher privilege than to bring up a child for God. And whenever we slight that privilege or neglect that ministry for anything else, we live to mourn it in heartache and grief. If you raise up your children to think that the earthly family is more important than belonging to Jesus, you will regret it. In heartache and grief that you did not train your children to know that the family that lasts forever is the family that's in love with Jesus and loves to do the will of God. Billy Sunday, early 20th century evangelist, I wouldn't recommend probably anything else he said, uh, maybe a few things, but he said this, the best way to beat the devil is to hit him over the head with a cradle. He probably said something like that. He was, uh, you know, in baseball things. That's the best way to beat the devil. Hit him over the head with a cradle. Oh, and his teacher children to love Jesus. Said John Wesley, I learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all the theologians of England. Yes, mother. Mm -hmm. You, mother. You, father. 
You teach the theology that your child will grow up with. The real test, said one, of your Christianity is not how pious you look at the Lord's table on Sunday, but how you act at the breakfast table at home. If this is true, here are my mother, here are my brothers, and teach our children the family that matters most. You see, well, there's a great challenge for us, but there's also great Oh, there's great hope for us in these words. These words of Jesus are amazing news. They're filled with hope and and comfort for people who live in or come from a biological family that isn't all that terribly healthy. Like probably all of ours. (laughs) Or a family that's hurt them deeply. Abuse or neglect. Or for those who have no biological family. Or whose mother and father or brother or sister or son or daughter whose husband or wife have died. And maybe they're all alone. We're in a world where a lot of people are very lonely. You go to any public place, you'll be confronted by seas of people. Many of them are disconnected from any meaningful relationships with anyone else. Oh yeah, they may have Facebook friends. But... um, No one really to talk to, to listen to them. No one who cares, that is, no one to laugh with, no one to cry with. No one to no one to hug. Or no one to love. If that's you, oh, there's good news here. There's a wonderfully huge family waiting. For you. Because when someone makes a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ, they are united intimately to that family who loves Jesus, encircles him, surrounds him, and loves to do the will of God. Suddenly, as you make profession of faith in Jesus, you've just received a whole whack of new brothers and sisters, and together you have the most amazing father, uh, the Heavenly Father, and an older brother who is also... Your, your Savior. You see, friends, this is a wonderful truth and wonderful comforting truth filled with hope that Jesus gives to us uh, in this passage. Here are my mother and my brothers. Here is my family. Here are those who are, are closest to me. Why? Because we share an eternal love for Jesus Christ and a love for for one another, and for all those who belong to his family. And what's the heartbeat of that family? How do you recognize them? Well, again, near Jesus, seeking to do his will. Sinclair Ferguson says it this way, Jesus Christ gives us a new identity. We are in Christ. And as a result, our lives are being shaped into his image by his word and spirit. We're becoming like him. But in addition, he builds into our lives a new integrity, a single unifying principle that coordinates everything we do, makes all our endeavors aspects of one great reality, our union and communion with him. 
So whatever we do, whether overtly spiritual or apparently not, whether studying at school or working in an office or a factory or a hospital or university, whether running a company or being a homemaker or pastoring a church family, everything we do is done out of devotion to Christ and as a tribute to his grace. Now we see things clearly as they relate to Christ. There are no longer many disconnected activities to engage in, but one great activity to pursue in a multiplicity of ways, knowing Christ and becoming like him. That's what this family gathered around Jesus on that day long ago. We're all about wanting to get closer to Jesus. They'd heard so much about him and they wanted to know him better. To know what the will of God was, you see, for them. And Jesus looks at them uh, with not, not anger, as he did earlier in the passage, at those in the synagogue who didn't want to see him heal somebody. He doesn't look at them with anger. He looks out at this crowd all around him in love. It says, here, here are my mother and my brothers. Well, what about his biological family? Well, when Jesus, no, they would come to faith. Acts 1 tells us that as uh, Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, there, was his, there was his mother and there were his brothers gathered in that room um, together with the disciples, knowing that he would return. Oh, yes, they believed. They believed, too. This is the family of God, brothers and sisters of our Savior Jesus Christ, children of the Heavenly Father, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. Do you love this family? Like any family, um, there's quirks, isn't there? Like any family, uh, we don't always get along the way we should. And there needs to be grace and there needs to be forgiveness. Have you committed yourself to this family? Do you understand that it's this family of those who love Jesus and do his will that is the family that lasts forever? Have you taught your children that this is the family that matters most because it matters forever? Oh, and do you love being near Jesus and seeking to do his will? Then you too will say, ah, here are my mother. Here, here are my brothers and sisters. May it be so. We are indeed, the Bible says, the family of God. Let's pray uh, together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that challenges us, comforts us, fills us with hope. We thank you, dear God, that through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in drawing near to him, oh Lord, we find uh, our family, the family that will last forever because it's a family rooted in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, being united to him through faith, uh, that we might, as brothers and sisters then, go forth to do your will, serving you in this world, serving you that others might come to see in Jesus too, their Savior, their Redeemer, their Lord. Help us, Lord, to love the family of God. Help us to love Jesus. Help us to teach our children to love Jesus and to walk in his ways. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.